Welcome to Vital Life Connection with Oren Rudolph. Discovering in Christ to love the life we live and learning how to live a life of love. Well, we're back and I have been interviewing Christy and Patrick Ingram and I've really been enjoying the time just learning so much. I've learned so much and I'm sure as you've been listening, there's just some beautiful gems that have been dropped. And I encourage you, if you have, if this is the first time that you're tuning in to this podcast, uh, go back and listen to the rest of the interview because there are just some amazing gems that have been dropped already in this interview. So we're going to go straight into it uh, today. And where we left off was you guys had got married and Christy had mentioned that uh, Patrick had gone and bought a boat. Uh, they were living with, you guys were living with your parents, uh, with actually Patrick's parents. Your mom didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, she had told you guys to back off or step back, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, from, uh, right? And uh, so, uh, not a good relationship with mom, living with parents. Christy and you had very different ideas about money. And so already there were some cracks showing that might have been a good idea to have thought about before you got married. But as you know, perspective is uh, or 2020. Uh, mm -hmm. Looking back is 2020. Mm -hmm. So continue. I know that you were speaking, Christy. You were mad already. He had bought himself a boat. He was going fishing. And you were living the dream in the sense, Patrick, of you had got you finally got your boat. And I'm sure that wasn't the. Hey, can we edit out that part about I got a boat and we live with my parents? <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, you were. You're a, you're a newly married couple and you don't have the, you know, like most new married couples, you don't, you're not wealthy. You don't have a huge bank account. Um, and take us from there. Who would like to? Yeah, you know, I'm just thinking back to those days and trying to remember what was I really thinking. When you hear a story, you weren't. <laughs> I'll tell you what I, I probably would have said then. I want to become a fisher of men, and I need a boat to do that. Yeah. Um, but it's funny, you know how it's it's funny, but it's you know it's it's sad because it's such a, a poor choice just to dive in like that. Men and their toys, right? We we yes. love our toys. Yes, it's so true. I would say that things escalated pretty quickly. We started fighting because, um, you know, for about the first six months, so I didn't really have any communication with my family at all. But then um, they, my mom wanted to try to come around and like try to rebuild the relationship, but she still didn't have it right. You know, she would come and it was like, I want to be, I want to come see you, but when he's gone to work, I don't want him there. You know, it was still this, separation it was like mm -hmm. why can't we just all be family and she was like I want, I want to visit with you I don't want to visit with him and then when I did talk to her it was like you got to get out of here this is not what you want you know trying to get me to leave him right. and it just made me angry and and so um but I would I started missing you know uh things like going out to my parents house or you know the holidays would come around and I'm like hey my mom really wants us to come you know for Thanksgiving and he didn't want to go and then he would go reluctantly but we would fight and argue and and then we'd get there and my mom had this stunt that she kept pulling she would invite an ex-boyfriend to look to thanksgiving oh my goodness just to get in her Patrick's skin and so when my when patrick would get angry she'd go you're supposed to be a christian why are you behaving like that you know it was like she was just setting him up you know and and so then he and i would just 
you know, he'd be like, get your purse, we're leaving. And we would leave and fight all the way home, you know, and this would happen every holiday. And so after a couple of years, he was like, I'm done. I'm not going back. Don't ask me to go. And so I was really sad because I wanted to try to, you know, repair that relationship. But I felt like I couldn't get everybody on board with me. I felt like I was in the middle and they both had one arm pulling me apart because they both wanted me, but they didn't want the, you know, my husband didn't want my family and my family didn't want my husband. And I was like, I love everybody. Why can't everybody love each other? You know, I just didn't understand. And so I was constantly going to Patrick and going, Hey, can we work on this? And then he would just get angry and just, you know, bite my head off or, you know, he would, grab something and chunk it at me, you know, or slam a door. You know, it was like, it got to the point where Patrick and I did not communicate. Um, uh-huh. We had horrible, unhealthy communication. And so um, it got to the point where if I tried to talk to him, you know, he would just crank the radio up. Right. I'm not talking about this anymore, you right. know, yeah. or slam a door or just walk off while I was talking. And so I didn't feel heard. So then I started writing him letters. And I thought, well, he can't hang up on a letter or slam a door. So I'd give him a letter, but he didn't want to read it because he was right. like, it's just the same thing. I'm tired of this argument. I don't want to talk about it anymore, you know. And uh, and then even letters about finances. Why can't you stop? You know, why right. can't you sell the boat? Why can't we, you know, let's let's start making a plan, you know. And it was like we just were butting heads and and he would check out, you know. Right. It's like, I don't want to argue. I don't want to talk about negative things. So I just want to talk to you at all. Right. And so that's where we really built walls. Right. Um, and started living separate lives. Right. Um, and by then we were, um, uh, we started having kids. We were married two years and we uh, had our first child. And I thought that would fix everything. <laughs> that doesn't fix everything either. Um, that's just more expense, you know, and then right. you bring somebody else into the fight. And so uh, right after she was born, I found out I was pregnant again. So we had babies. Oh, my goodness. Back, wow. Like 12 months apart. So it was like having twins. And the first. Two years of our oldest's life was just, you know, we were just fighting and going at it constantly. And my mom wanted to see the grandkids. But then he's like, I don't trust your family. They're going to try to turn the kids against me. You know, it was. And so that was the beginning of the end Mm. when our girls were one and two is where we got to the point where we were about to really just falter. The lines were cracking and there was about to be an earthquake. Right. What was going on in your head during all this time, all this yeah. with your... Well, you know, like we Patrick. discussed last time about, about perspective, I remember thinking before we got married and, and we were already in the middle of a thunderstorm in our, in our Russian ships, I remember thinking, if once we get married, this will all be fine. And so it was a wake-up call. We're married and we're in the middle of hell. <laughs> you know, uh, and I thought once we were married, I'm like, we're Christian families. We both were raised from Christian homes. And so you don't get divorced. Right. So I really felt like once we got married, it would be uh-huh. a fix-all. But it it was, it was so challenging because I was constantly angry because I knew Christy's mom and her fa- her family were against me, and so I had didn't want to have anything to do with them, mm-hmm. and they had the same feelings back towards me. So I, there was a, a bitterness and an anger that was building in me on a daily basis because I wanted Christy to say, "Look," and at the same time. It's her mom. It's her family. Right. You can't, you know, people think you can just divorce your family. And some people try that. And well, let me know how it's going. Years later, <laughs> you know, that's not God's plan. Right. And so uh, the enemy wants to isolate us, separate us and take us out of our families, you know, on, on multiple levels. But, you know, it's never the plan uh, of God. So it was hard because we would, you know, I wanted to, I wanted Christy to be happy. 
I wanted things to be the way they were supposed to be, but they weren't. And when we started off our relationship, they weren't. Right. So it was just trying to navigate and figure out where we go from here. Yeah. And I think Patrick wanted me to show him honor by standing up for him. And I didn't know what that looked like. Right. I didn't know what leaving Cleve looked like. I was still a kid, you know. I just was, um, I mean, I, like he had his boats and stuff. I would go out and take the girls while he was at work and, and go visit my parents. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, the whole time my mom played with the grandkids and I jumped on the trampoline. You know, mm-hmm. I was like a kid. I mean, I was like 22, 23. So, and I just, I didn't have the wisdom and, and I didn't understand that I, you know, how to stand up for him and how to show honor. And he came from a family where you just tell, tell it like it is. And for my family, it was a sweep it under the rug family. And you don't talk about what you're upset about. Right. So I never would confront uh, my family and say, enough is enough. I'm drawing a line, you know, and I would just try to please, you know, I was like, well, I don't want to upset mom if I don't show up, it's going to upset her. And so I would try to just kind of gently handle things and please everybody well i'll right. see her when he's at work but that wasn't showing him honor he felt like well you're you're acting you're by doing that then you're agreeing with them that i'm no good and you know you should make them have to see me you know and i just didn't understand how to navigate all that and so and the girls you know we're having two little ones i mean that's a handful all by itself having kids right and, uh, and during that time actually it was during my first pregnancy um, that I got a phone call that my dad had been diagnosed with uh, lymphoma. Oh, wow. And so I was really working hard to try to fix this because I didn't know what kind of life my dad had ahead of him. And I was afraid that he would die and we would never fix it. Right. So I began to try harder and harder. But, you know, Patrick loved my dad and he wanted that relationship, but he was just kind of done. Right. You know, and so... I think that's where things really reached a climax is because I was like, I, I'm, I miss my, my dad and he's going to die. And, and you're, you know, you're keeping me from him. If, you know, if you don't want me to go over there, cause it yeah. got to the point where Patrick didn't even want me over there, you know? And, and, um, when I, if I went, he was mad at me and, you know, if I got home from their house, I got the silent treatment, Right. you know, it was like, he was just disgusted. And so, and, you know, it's really the rejection that he was experiencing from my family was causing him to hate me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it got to that point where right before I packed up and left, where we just quit talking and okay. we just passed each other in the hall. You know, he would come home from work and he was mad when he walked in the door and right. then he would go to bed, and not talk to me. And I'd go to bed and I'd, the next morning he'd get up and leave and I'd, ne- I'd wake up and he was already gone. And so we were just living in the same house. You were you were roommates. Yes. Yeah. You weren't. That didn't best. communicate anymore because uh, yeah. he was so angry and and just would not address the elephant in the room. If we mm-hmm. did, it was just a fight. Yeah. So we yeah. were living two separate lives in the same house. Yeah. Uh, and I finally got to a point where I was like, I'm way too young to live the rest of my life like this. Yes. I can get a divorce and repent and ask God to forgive me and learn from it and move on. Yeah. And so So you so the timeline. So you've got two kids. One's one years old, the other one's two. You've been married now for four yeah. years. Uh four years and things are pretty much not met any expectations that I'm sure that both of you had thought marriage would be, right? Yeah. And you had not gotten away from the family, Patrick. The family was pretty much still in your life, uh her family. Uh so marriage didn't solve that problem and marriage didn't solve your problem either. So, if I'm understanding, so you are ready to get out of there. You're not talking. You're not communicating. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there anything? Was it so? It's kind of like was a was death by a thousand cuts, 
Was there one last cut that happened that would have forced you out the door? Was there anything that you finally said, enough's enough, I'm packing, I'm out of here? I think it was just, like you said, death by a thousand cuts. Because when I would write a letter and hand it to him, Uh I would would just make this inner vow. This is the last letter I'm writing. And if this doesn't get a reaction out of him and he doesn't come to me and say, let's talk about this or work it out, then I'm done. Right. And then the next letter I would write, okay, this is the last letter I'm writing. Like every time I wrote a letter, I would go, this is it right. for this letter. And then I would try one more time. And I kept telling myself, how long are you going to keep saying this? You know, right. nothing's changing. And it was actually more like five years because yeah, my pregnancy was almost a year. So we, it was like five years we were together right. married. And so Patrick had gotten so angry and to the point where we had really pulled away from church even because we would fight all the way to church and we'd get in the parking lot and be in a screaming match and turn around and go back to the house, you know? <laughs> and a, so we pulled away and really, really the enemy isolated us. That's another uh, good place just to interject. You know, how many times I've heard somebody, you know, a friend or acquaintance, somebody get the counsel from church, which usually should be a good place to get counsel. And probably most of the times is, but just because you get counsel from some pastor or somebody in church doesn't mean you take that and run with it. Right. Many counselors. Yes. And so, um, and you know, um, we, this is one very huge thing that we learned in this whole thing was when the enemy isolated us, it was because we allowed fear of man and judgment, Mm. um, fear of judgment because we were afraid to tell anybody what was going on in our lives. So we went to church and we smiled and brought the girls in with bows in their hair like we were this happy family, but we were dying and we just didn't want anybody to know, afraid yeah. of what they would think or Well, you had mentioned that. that earlier, didn't you? You had said, I think it was Patrick, you said, or one of you had said, As Christians, you don't get divorced. Right. And I think that even follows over in the in the thought, well, we're Christians, we shouldn't even have problems. And I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of people, I think in my me and my wife's own marriage was the very first time that we sat in a in a group of Christians doing a marriage uh, marriage course in a in a lounge where we sat there hearing from people who are 20, 30 years into marriage longer than we were with all the problems and issues they were having. And for the first time, me and my wife looked at one another and went, <laughs> other people have problems yeah, right. in church? Yeah, it's not just us. How about that? Yeah, because yeah, you feel like it's you. You feel like it's all you. And, yeah, and, um, I remember Christy thinking, uh, I remember ha- you know getting that perception from Christy that, you know, and, and I did some too that we were just, we had problems and we couldn't talk about. Them. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we definitely fell right into that trap. Mm-hmm. The other thing that doesn't help is when people see you at church and they're talking about how you have such a beautiful family and you're, <laughs> you're such great parents. And, you know, yeah. you, you, all of a sudden you're like, okay, we can't yeah. talk about this. Yeah. Right. And, and you're like, yeah, you didn't, last night you were throwing a shoe at my head, you know, and, you know, but it looks like everything's right. great, you know. And so um, I think, Really, it's not. It's it's something we do that we just put these masks yeah. on. Now you're not the. You guys are not the first people that I'm sure are feeling this. I mean, if in statistics, uh, you know that if you're saying this, you were the supposed to be this perfect Christian couple um, in seen in church. Uh, what advice do you give to other couples, uh, married couples who are sitting in churches, sitting in small groups, uh, who are Christians? So they're Christians, and they're in a whole group of other Christians. They're going through a hard time, but like you, they've got smiles on their faces because everybody else is telling them what a beautiful family they have, what amazing, you guys look so good together, all the things. What advice can you give couples like that that are going through turmoil, don't feel or feel like if they say something, 
they're going to get judged by others. What, what, what can you tell them? What, what would be some good advice to tell these? Because obviously, keeping quiet wasn't the best. Yeah, don't thing. keep quiet, number one, and don't pretend, number two. Because when you hear that narrative about your family and how great it is, and you, that's what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pride. You have to recognize that your pride's getting in the way. Uh, and, you know, we were born into a sin nature. Right. But by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus, you know, his grace is sufficient and we are our righteousness is in, in Jesus. But we make mistakes. So s- stop pretending and and seek out some godly counsel. Mm-hmm. You know, I think probably, you know, the best place if you don't know where to start is look for somebody who has a little silver hair on their head. That right. might help a little bit. You know, parents or grandparents, not necessarily your parents or grandparents, maybe so, but look for somebody who's been there and traveled that road. Right. You know, and you, you know, there's some fruit of the Holy Spirit that's, that's yes. real. Right. You know, and, so and, and somebody who doesn't have skin in the game, right? Right. Absolutely. You know, and would you also agree that maybe giving, you know, for couples to give each other permission to go get help? I think many yes. times, you know, someone will say, well, I'm going to counseling or they don't want to go to counseling because then they feel that their spouse won't go to counseling with mm-hmm. them or go, you know, but to give each other, even if I didn't want to go to counseling, my wife was more than welcome to go to mm-hmm. counseling. That's so yeah. true. It and is. with our relationship, I think we were, we both were raised from completely different sides of the fence because in my family, my, my mom and dad and everything, they were just kind of shared everything where with his family, it was very private. Everything was private. And so when I would recommend, hey, why don't we go talk to somebody? Maybe somebody could help us. He had been told his whole life, you don't tell, mm-hmm. you know, people your private life. Where for me and my family, it was always like, you know, everybody knew everything about what was going on <laughs> in our house, you know. And he was like, you don't want to be like your family. You need, I'm like, well, you don't want to be like your family. You know, no, you're yeah. bleeding to death. And you won't call 911, you know. And right. Like, but at the same um, time, it's so important that, you know, the voices that you have in your life are so critical. Yes. And it's real easy. A perfect example is when Christy and I were uh, jumping ahead a little bit here, but when we were divorced and we were getting, actually one of the things that the judge did for us is she ordered Christy to go to counseling. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was so excited about that. But, you know, the the enemy comes as a wolf in sheep's clothing. And one of the counselors she went to recommended that maybe she go ahead and just divorce, you know. Right. And you just have to be careful. And, you know, the situations, the dynamics can be completely different and are in a lot of cases. And so, you know. Right. Uh, but God's a God of restoration. And I think restoration has to be tested and tried before you go to the right of yes. done. Yes, 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 uh, yes. But yes. the voices are so important. One thing that came back to my mind, and I don't know, you may want to edit this out or move it to the other, uh, but when we were, when we met and we were in the same church as our families, um, this is an area where you have to really be careful if you're the parent and you're in this situation with your child that's wanting to marry, is my mother made a point to talk to everybody because our everything was open. Every We tell everybody what's going on in our lives, the opposite of them. So she, everybody she came in contact with the church, she told them her side. So... I started getting looks from people at church <laughs> and shame on you and you're mm. not, you know, you're doing your mother this way and that way. And so she really didn't realize what she was doing, but she ran us out of the church. Right. And so you want your kids in church and we felt like we can't come back here. It's yes. not a safe place because all these people are looking at us and giving us dirty looks yes. and making their judgments based on what my mother's saying about us. And they don't even know what our side and so it's really unfair, but unfortunately right. people do that. And um, 
And so we had to leave and go find another church. Yes. And so I think that's something that's really important for parents. Yes. That, that is so You have yes. to be so careful who you choose to talk to and to make sure mm-hmm. that it's someone that you can trust and that's not going to spread it or gossip yes. or, or go and judge the person. Right. And, you know, um, it, you have to pray about who the safe people yeah. are. And really test it with the word. Don't just run with what somebody tells mm-hmm. you because it feels mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? Well, that's good stuff. And, you know, so we're going to, we, we're coming to an end of our time here for today. One of the things that we pulled out, I think pulled out, is that voices are important in your life, being open, being transparent, but being careful of who you allow to speak into your life. And also not go and blab to anybody and everybody about your husband or your wife. Uh, The Bible says that, you know, if you've got a problem against your brother, go and speak to your brother uh, alone. Uh, You know, because as I I wrote in my book in, in Let It Go, I said, you know, one of the, the revelations that God had given me was that we have the power to bind and loose people. And when we are, and that's not about binding demons or loosing demons, that's about people. And when you are holding unforgiveness or anger towards people, you're actually binding them up. And that's why God doesn't want you to go and talk to others because you're binding them up. And so it's important for us to know uh, the voices that we allow in our lives. So thank you once again, guys, for uh, speaking to me today. We're going to uh, call it quits on, on our interview uh, for today, but we'll be back and continuing this because, as I said last week, we were looking at the Titanic, and I think we're very close right now. Uh, you've kind of got some hints of what the Titanic's going to be, but I am so excited about God's restoration because I think that is what really we are heading. We can listen to all the, the terrible things, but the key is you guys are sitting in front of me here today restored, and that is what is the most powerful of the story is the end of the story. Thank you for listening to Vital Life Connection with Oren Rudolph. For more information on other available teaching, please visit our website at orenrudolph.com and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash orenrudolph.